You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Maps. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to get Onyx Maps on your phone, you need to get Onyx Maps on your phone, and I'm going to tell you why. Number one, I am the kind of guy who likes to know where I'm at at all times, and I like to do a lot of running and gunning. So there's times where access is very important for me, knowing where I was at, knowing how to get to a specific location, especially in the dark of morning or night, getting in and getting out. And the best part for me is that I have GPS on my phone, and Onyx allows you to leave basically breadcrumbs uh, and leave a trail or your access routes on your phone, save those access routes, and then use your GPS going in and out of your tree stand locations every single day. And it's awesome because you won't get lost in the dark. And I use that so much, that little portion in itself, so much throughout the season that uh, it's probably the most useful function of that app. Now, you can also leave waypoints like where your trail cameras are at, where your tree stands are at, where you see scrapes and rubs or marking trailheads or campsites. This is the perfect app for a do-it-yourself hunter. I mean, really for all hunters, because it allows you to journal your properties that you hunt, right? And uh, the more information you have, the more successful you will be on a yearly basis because you keep gathering data and gathering data and gathering data. And soon you'll see trends in that data and those trends will lead you to hunting more efficiently and becoming more successful, in my opinion. So go to Onyx or wherever you download your apps, pick up Onyx and you can use the discount code NATION20, N-A-T-I-O-N 20, and save 20% off for first-time users. Onyx Maps. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you.
All right, here we are with another Land Legacy podcast. We are actually back in the same location. I don't think we've done a podcast together, Adam, in a while. No, I, I've actually been away from the podcast for a, for a while. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they didn't want to hear Miss Ganthus rants. Or Eastern yet. Red Cedar rambles. Oh, <laughs> uh, I will say, now that I'm back... I uh, thought I was on the phase-out program there for a little while. Um, Merry Christmas. Oh, man. It is Christmas time. You know how, like, honestly jacked up I am for Christmas? Most times I, I really kind of like, oh, it's holiday. It used to sneak up on me. It hasn't this year. No, it hasn't at of, all this year. We put up the Christmas tree a while back and celebrated the daughter's first birthday. And, uh, you know, it's been in that that whole birthday was a winter wonderland. It's been an ongoing Christmas celebration, Just much longer on. than one day, which is what I like. Because anybody that knows me or been around me much knows that I love Christmas music and the whole Christmas holiday. So, from Land and Legacy to you all, Merry Christmas! We hope that you have a wonderful Christmas day or Christmas Eve, and the whole holiday is. Uh, celebrated with friends and family and you guys do take some time to remember the reason for the season the birth of our savior jesus christ we're going to be celebrating with our families yep which is the same family yeah um great i get to see you at holidays too (laughs) (laughs) we might record a podcast with everybody and uh but no in all seriousness we thank you guys so much for joining us on this uh, holiday week, this Christmas week, and we uh, just thank you guys so much for joining us for another year right here on the podcast, but once again, just uh, remember the reason for the season, that's what it's all for, big part of what we do is is all about um, the glorifying of our creator, of our, uh, and uh, just overall, you know, you guys hear that it's for love of the land, and the second part of our slogan is, and the glory to God. So uh, we're going to celebrate this week the birth of Jesus Christ with Christmas, and we hope you guys do as well. Absolutely. Right. So uh, we've been talking about it. Man, it's been a good week for us, and it's getting ready to kick off consulting season, and we've been getting some amazing messages, and you guys have heard some of our very uh, happy clients that have really had amazing deer seasons um and there's still more there's still honestly a lot of a lot of a lot more stories to tell for sure like i had a text tonight from a guy down in alabama that had an amazing you know the ruts just kicking off for them and they're seeing a pile of deer and are very very happy and i was there last february i believe Mm -hmm. early february and uh you know just one year they're like it is night and day difference uh, between last year and this year and, and you know i think that's one thing too you'll hear us talk more and more we're starting to kind of find other ways to incorporate the stories of what we do exactly we just had a message come in right before this of what exactly is landing legacy <laughs> um we're just still working on that that's a, yeah <laughs> i don't know we'll we'll, yeah. t- we'll tell you ask us in a year uh-huh. fantastic yeah. question sir yeah. ask me true false ask me yeah. true false i know true false but uh 
no, it's definitely something that we continue to build and, and incorporate and try to bring new content for you guys and new information. And we're finding that some of the best information we can give is when s- other people talk about their experiences and uh, what's extremely seen. valuable. And, uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to be covering that in the future. And Matt and I actually sat down this week and we kind of did some brainstorm because we actually planned out some things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other than this podcast, yeah, yeah, we planned out future podcasts. We have a long list of things that I shoot, man. There's some stuff on there that I'm like, dang, let's do that next week. Mm-hmm. Um, Every one of them is like, man, I want to do that next week. That's yeah. gonna be a good one. Yeah, so we may just sit down and record all 20 of them in one in one week and and stagger them out for the for the the next several months. Probably not gonna happen, but um, you know, it's a we've been talking about various things and you know the other podcast this week is one that um kyle and frank cover on predator trapping Mm -hmm. um that's really you know we talk to them a lot pre-show of kind of you know oh shoot we even before before they ever joined land and legacy we had long conversations with those guys about their overall land ethics definition and and how they view land management and it's it's so much, even though they've worked so much with upland birds, um, for for us when it's when you get down to it, they're deer hunters, they're quail hunters. We're deer hunters. We like quail hunting. Um, I we're quail hunters. We just don't. We're not from an area <laughs> that has a bunch quail. of quail. <laughs> and so, in what little quail we do have, the last thing I want to do is go shoot them. So, yeah. um, we're very similar in, in our mindset and the way we manage. And, and Kyle's I, Kyle's a trapper. Kyle well, traps like crazy. I think I think in, in, let's say, 10 minutes of any podcast that you probably listened with them, you guys really see why it was a pretty easy conversation as to why we brought them on yeah it it doesn't take very long to to see that there's a lot of similar mindsets and the way that you manage and value the land it's pretty much they have experience in different uh in things we don't have much experience on but um they work really well with us so really the only difference is the sound of their voice and one has a a better mustache than than (laughs) i do i'm Uh, working on it (laughs) i'm very envious of i'll be quite honest with you um so um my wife would kill me (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you know it's a great thing to have them on and so i I encourage you to go listen that podcast opened uh, hopefully it the whole creation of land and legacy was really a uh an idea and a, well, really a, a leap of faith, a step of faith of what we felt God was calling us to do. Um, but in in a small form, what we really are looking at is try to bring a new look to make us think about the way we manage habitat and the way we approach deer hunting. And I think there's some fads, there's some stuff that's jammed on our throats on why you should do this. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm the a person that always asks, uh, but why? And, uh, so for years you've, man, predators are bad, must kill predators. There's a whole podcast on must kill management probably coming up. Um, and there's really, uh, when you look at prioritizing things, um, and your habitat and your overall time and money spent on your farm, there's a lot better bang for your buck um, with different projects when you prioritize everything out. So I encourage you to go listen to that podcast. 
Um, shoot, leave us a review on iTunes or recommend us on Facebook. Mention Kyle and Frank. That would be much appreciated to where let them feel a little bit of love on, on what they're doing. I, we think they're doing a great job. We know they're doing a great job, but we need you guys to kind of maybe pat them on the back while you're, while you're listening. So. Absolutely. They, I mean, we, we've, we're just up in Kansas with them um, this past week, recorded a podcast that will probably come out in the next few weeks. Um, but just a recap of them being on the property. And, you know, they're going to be on a lot more properties in the coming um, months and years to come as well. So I uh, hope you guys just kind of, let's say, welcome them with open arms um, and know that they're they're here to stay. And if they are on your property, um, that is a huge value as well. So, yeah. you know, they, they bring a lot to the table. It's easy to see that. But this podcast specifically is one that if if you are – it, it's it's it doesn't come across at all. It, it's just straight information. Let's say yeah. it, it's not it's not an observation. It is not. Here's my personal thoughts. This is factual. This is scientific. Um, there is is a lot of research behind it that the both of them, despite being trappers, have have put together and worked on. Um, and so it is just. It's not a take it or leave it at all. But it is a factual podcast, and so. Uh, we encourage you guys to share it and just realize that this is why, from a land legacy, a brand standpoint, is why we are so focused on true habitat <laughs> restoration and, and wise practices to emphasize the important natural resources that are on a said property. Yeah, I haven't listened to the podcast yet. I it's, will when I probably when I edit and send it off. I'll sit down and listen to it. But. I was trying not to kill us in a car wreck on yeah. the way home from kansas with recording this yes. were they sitting slick, in the back road. so you were like the the taxi driver no i kyle was up front frank was in the back and i was just sitting there listening to it, like hey, this podcast is going great but just trying to keep miles on the road with slick slick roads mm. but it was it, you guys are gonna love it so be sure to go check that out awesome i i don't know what the recap is or what i can even say that fits in line but um go work on you your know, habitat <laughs> habitat is key it, to me i just see so many guys this time of year putting out traps and they're like i'm i'm trying to say the i'm trying to say the turkeys or whatever it's like i'll say this if you have poor habitat what's the point because you'll find that you're out. gonna you're gonna kill try to kill all the predators for a very small period of time and and what that doesn't in impact three the months you're going to have more population. predators and you're going to have still not better habitat well, than you had before. What's the point? It, not there's to give just too an much efficiency. away. But. I mean, yeah, it, but, but there's just an efficiency standpoint to, to managing the property and where you are going to get a return that makes an impact that helps you get to your yeah. goals. Um, it's a form of recreation. So we're not at all trying to take that away from trapping as, as it is a way for people to get out and enjoy. However, we have to understand what it does do for predators. There's not, a, there's not a picture probably on social media in the last, let's say five years of, of a hunter who has taken, <laughs> let's just say a coyote that oh, hasn't gosh. said saved the life of turkeys and, and fawns, whatever. A fawn nabber or whatever it, you want to call it. It's them. like, yeah. yeah, but guess what? If you go out there and, and you, you work on the habitat, you're also saving them at a much higher rate yeah. than by by taking a predator. You know, yeah. they and they do a great job of breaking down the the side of things that is 
listen, predators do take game animals, yeah. but the the dynamics of populations and the predator to prey relationships are so dynamic that you can't you you don't have a I killed this, so more live. It yeah. doesn't work like that. It's yeah. not an equal representation. I think one of the back things and forth. that and shoot, I don't know what they said over there. Um, I'm sure it's phenomenal stuff. So go listen to it. But to me, it's like I think there's been a, 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 at some point the kind of lost understanding of predator prey relationship. It's it's totally pre- not, it's misunderstood. They, they, Let's just, they were just, put on this earth for predators to chase prey. And regardless of whatever we do, we have to understand that predators are here to eat prey. The more prey you have, the more food you have for predators. But if your habitat is terrible, the less prey species you can hold, then... That doesn't mean, though, that killing predators, the predators, you're going to get a lot more prey. Yeah. Because so, you don't have habitat support them in the first place. Yeah. That's, that's the whole point. I just hate but, uh, but, you know, it's easier to sell. It's easier to sell traps than it is to sell time and energy. Elbow on grease. Elbow grease. <laughs> how, how do you can that up and sell it? I don't know. Maybe download a podcast. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but it's easier. We'll so, therefore, people preach predator trapping more but whatever go listen to kyle and frank and uh let us know what you think this week matt and i are going to discuss more on the hunting related side uh, we told you guys we were going to do kind of a recap um there's been a lot of things we've tried out this year from even spring you know we've got one more week before the start of 2020 and uh so we're going to re- cover some of the products we've used this year that we've really liked um, some products that we've used that, um, we won't name brands, but we'll name features that we don't like. Matt hates it. Um, <laughs> I hate it. I like trying stuff out, but I, I'm I just, think that's the biggest thing for a, me uh, is, is trying out items and not being so, you know, if you go to our website, you'll see, we don't have a ton of sponsors, but we work like just with a lot of different companies brand on the dealership yeah. side. Um, I just like our whole purpose is to find the biggest return for you, for ourselves included. Because because we I are, am you. <laughs> because I am you. Yeah, like I don't want to waste my money and waste whatever on something, and so time. Um, and so we try to find the best products that we would use, whether or not we're doing this podcast or not. Um, and so items that we use typically are items that if we fold it up and. We're driving a UPS truck or um, Matt's flipping burgers. Um, we're going to be using these products. They'd be some most tasty likely. burgers. Yeah. By golly, you're going to be the best burger flipper out Dead there. gum right I would be. <laughs> and so, really, that's that's what we do is we search for the products that we want to use regardless of, of uh, the podcast or videos or not. Like, we're pretty much doing this for the long haul. That's the plan. Unless until God sends us somewhere else, but we try to find what we like, and uh, therefore we can relay that to you. So it's not a sponsor-driven, money-driven pitch. No, no, not at all. I mean, this this is stuff where you know we talked a lot, kind of probably before season really got started. Is like I've really wondered about that. I've done some research on my end. You've done some research on your end. It's like that stuff. It just makes sense. Yeah. Like I. 
we again, I think it's every single year, and I'm scared to know what five years down the road looks like. But it's like every single year we hunt less and less and less. So it's like you need to be, <laughs> you need to try and be more efficient with the time that you go that with that you're going out into the woods. And you know, we're not telling anybody who's listening right now to go buy it. Well, you're well, not telling them they're in the same exact situation. It's probably like you know, I've got a family, I've got a full time job, I run a business, whatever it is. Like time in the woods is just it it's becoming more scarce. So it's like, I want stuff that like when I go there, it, it, it's just got me covered. Mm-hmm. And and, I, and that's just, that's all I want it to do. I don't yeah. need like, let's say the fanciest bling or whatever, but like, by gosh, if I, if I'm going to put it in my backpack and I'm going to wear it around or whatever, I'm going to throw it over my purpose. shoulder. It has a purpose. And I know that it's going to perform. That's yeah. it. Like that. That's just the the whole purpose of going back and kind of recapping things that we did try out. I would say this too: if somebody hunted with us, they'd probably be shocked at some of the items we use. <laughs> probably. <laughs> like, like, I'm gonna share a story. Uh, man, you know, you'd probably think that we're trying to use the top end of everything, which we don't. With shoot, the sights on my bow, for example, are. Sixty-five, seventy-dollar sights, mm-hmm. nothing fancy, and they do just fine for me. And I don't get they—they are like, if you go in a Bass Pro or wherever sporting goods store, you're gonna look and be like, oh, those those look okay, but they're not the—they don't have all the bells and whistles. That's the ones I have. Um, I'm, I'm like probably to me, broadheads is the big thing that I think people would be shocked like. I shot Rage hypodermics this year that I went and bought at Cabela's during the fall hunting classic that were on sale. I'm probably the most boring, middle-of-the-road person. <laughs> you guys probably know this by now as much as you listen to the podcast. But I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, give me that like middle-of-the-road, there's quality to it, but I'm not like Sometimes. breaking over. Because there's some things on this list that are, yeah, that yeah. are higher end, and yeah, we'll yeah, explain yeah. why they're higher end and why we because why we Because use some them. of the middle-of-the-road stuff is junk still. <laughs> <laughs> but we found that out because I'm like, oh, give me that, give me that, like, uh, yeah, m- middle of the road, just average piece. I'm going yeah. to try that first. And that's but, this podcast, oof. we're going to tiptoe around. You'll hear us take brief, awkward pauses because um, we're trying to think how to navigate without totally bashing a certain company or brand. Sure. Um, but at the same time, we're going to tell you which brands that we're using and which ones we really like. Um and and frankly, the ones that we're we're wearing or using or testing and saying, okay, I like this one. Yeah, there's probably maybe another company out there that has a better one, but it's more expensive, and I can't justify the additional cost. Well, or, or just like I I don't I don't need to go like if I find something though too that I like and that works and performs. I'm not going to go shop around for something else, though, either. No. Like, it's just like, oh, I don't need to second-guess this anymore because I just tested it, and it works. So, yeah. I'm sticking with her. Yeah. So, do you want to do your hunting recap first, or do you want to do the... You want to run through, um, run through some of these items, or a lot of these items that we've tested over the last year? Let's let's throw the hook out there. Okay. you got to stick to the, the hunt. you gotta, you got to listen to all this stuff. Matt had an amazing... 
December 20th hunt on the family farm. Kind of impromptu accidental, but it was like, holy cow, that just, that all just happened. Yeah. So it, it will, we'll definitely recap that. Okay. That's coming up. So yeah. let's go ahead and run through some of these items that we've tested this past year. Some of them we tested last by the, year. By the way, everyone just skipped over this section now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think th- so. I don't think so. We've had way we too get a many lot of questions. questions about this yeah. gear specific some of these very specifically because um i think when we (laughs) when we started using them it's amazing how quickly people notice so um you know a big thing for us Mm -hmm. this year this fall was testing the first light system yeah um matt and i both suffer from raynaud's disease which is lack of blood flow to our extremities you've heard us talk about on the podcast in the past probably in passing more than anything but we get very cold very easily and ears toes hands hands. and And i'm telling uh, you what we try we try to film like everything to have it and so one we can come back on the podcast and look things over and build some history like we'll talk about in a little bit but tell you what filming with cold hands that just isn't even fun no and and it's so much so that when i get so cold specifically usually in december and on if it's really cold my hands almost lock up to where it would be very difficult for me to be an ethical hunter um, or a mediocre cameraman. <laughs> yeah. And so finding good quality clothing has been a pursuit of ours for a very long time. Um, and we have used most of the major brands out there at one point or another. And I can honestly say that I have not been warm until this year um and using more of a uh, wool-based system has been a complete game changer for us so we were wearing the first light this entire fall we wore wool even early in the season when it was hot and the merino line from first light treated us very well i'll just say this if you've never just researched wool in general i, I don't care don't even look at a brand but just research wool from a clothing perspective it's i want to go back to whoever it was it was like the idiot who raised their hand was like let's no let's do cotton guys let's just do cotton because <laughs> like the properties of wool compared to cotton or from a clothing or synthetic stand, for yeah, a base layer yeah it's like why did we ever get off track of it and, and this is i had this thought before i even like tested it it just it just was a factual deal of like holy crap wool does this but cotton doesn't do this it's like i don't even understand then then it was like let's get it in our hands got in our hands tried it It was like jeez i wasted so many years that was dumb i mean we we wore stuff even three years ago that was like it was supposed to be great stuff yeah but it's just a night and day difference between that. And there's been no money, no no contract, nothing between us and First Light. No. And it's just that we've been testing the gear, and it's like, wow. This stuff, to me, personally, I don't know about you, but I can justify the expense because it's the stuff that I'm wearing, so I want to be comfortable, and that includes just comfortable fit, but also comfortable temperature. Am I cool? Am I warm? And 
all of the above for from from September to now December. I've been very comfortable. And anyone who's ever hunted with me knows that I get cold in October and I don't warm up till April. And, uh, I mean, shoot, I'm the old man that wears the long underwear no matter what. You put c- long underwear on in September. I put Come it on, on in September, and I don't take <laughs> it off till May. And uh, and so, for me, we sat there and tested a bunch of stuff, and this year we test First Light, and we're very, very happy with I, it. There is one day that I was full-on, like, decked out and had all the pieces of clothing that we tried. And that goes on. from the obsidian um, and then Pant. to the fuse to the – all the way to the furnace. Yep. Um, and then up to the uh, the big uh, – not the sanctuary. We didn't even use no, the even, sanctuary. So it, that, but that's the thing. That's the whole point is there was another higher level of, let's say, warmth offered by First Light that we didn't try out. And I, I only one day this season so far have had on the bibs and the jacket. What's a, what's the solitude line? solitude jacket on? I had that on one morning, fully decked out. Yeah, that was October thirty first when it snowed and it was a fifteen twenty mile an hour wind at like twenty two degrees, and I was like, I'm not Toasty. lying. I was hot. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. You're not even kidding. I was like, "Wow, this is crazy." We we didn't. We weren't like full on wind as northwest wind. We had a, a larger ridge in, in front of us, kind of blocking that. Regardless, though, it was still cold. Um, yeah. And the, but that. But my thing is, I only had to break that out once. Yeah. And and I found myself a lot of times, obviously packing in the the layer aspect of it, but I cannot stand. You know, you're talking about late season, like not not f- feeling like very confident in in um, let's say making a shot. Yeah. Because of the layers and the, the constriction of, and everything. Everybody talks about layers being so important for warmth, and I agree 100. percent Yeah. But we were wearing synthetics and cotton, and and we're having to wear so many layers that it restricted our mobility and the the ability to draw a bow and feel like, comfortable. I, yeah, just feel real comfort that like I felt the like deer's the, closing the younger in brother like, on a Christmas story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, couldn't even touch couldn't right. even touch my elbows together, you know. Like it was that that was the situation, but now I'm thinking, holy cow, well last night like was in a, in a position where it was it was no problem. With, Did you and, wear the kit last night, the the uh, solitude stuff, or were I just you, had the bibs on? Just the bib. Were just you the wearing bib. the catalyst jacket? What I, were I you think wearing? I did put that on. Yeah, I had a uh, catalyst jacket. That's a really thin one. Yeah, yeah, had that on. Um, furnace top, and then a base layer. And people can already tell just in this thing. We don't know that we're not. No, I don't. I don't. Even, I don't. I don't. We really find know what that, works, and it's like, yeah, well, I'm using. I say that. the brown one, the brown <laughs> thick one. That's oh, that's the furnace. Yeah, I love yeah. that thing. I think yeah. it's awesome. I I have worn that one. I've found myself like, um, in the tree just with the brown one on because I'm like, yeah. if I put a, a camo camo top on, I'm I am gonna be hot. So I don't want to I don't want to get hot. But I I'm just brown and twenty foot up in a tree. But I don't care. 
So but it's, what, it is out of all nice. the first light stuff we wore this this fall. What yeah. what's been your favorite? The early season stuff or the late se- the the more warmer, uh, cold weather stuff? The warmer clothing, the warmer. Because so you that, like the solitude for, bibs for me, probably is your favorite one. The bibs are freaking awesome. I but like honestly, the coat, the, 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 the pocket that goes through the coat to where yeah. you can go right into your bibs. I yeah. do like that. I think my favorite piece is the obsidian merino pants that we wore early season. Yeah, those were nice. I like those. And for a, for a guy that I don't like suspenders, this has been my first fall of using suspenders since we're talking about some of the gear we like. Instead of using a belt and using sus- the the suspenders that come with the pants, love it. Yeah. Like uh, to yeah, a point sure. where I'm like, at what point can I wear suspenders on regular days nope. and not wear the don't belt that it. my wife's not going to complain don't, about? Don't. <laughs> you know, like uh, you see the movies where it's like the, the high school girl, she like, Walks out of the house and looks, looks nice, all dressed or whatever, and then goes to the bathroom at high school and changes into something not as acceptable. You're the guy who goes and wears the belt out of the house, but then puts on suspenders when he gets going somewhere so yeah. his wife doesn't say anything. That's it. <laughs> so, first I, I, light, we've been very happy yeah, with. My, uh, my favorite would, would have been that furnace uh, oh, brown the top. little top. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a quarter zip deal. I mean, it's like it's a pullover. That's all it is, but... That thing legit did keep me warm um, a lot, a lot longer into the season. Um, I honestly have like thought, man, I might, I might get me another one just wear that consulting, just because it's pretty slick. It's really slick. Yeah. All right. So that was giving a, a that big was, thumbs up. That's that something that we were both very excited about to try, and uh, because for two reasons. We've heard so many great things, and then at the same time, we're so stinking cold all the time that this year, yep. I mean, I've been out there so many times this, this fall going, I am comfortable. I'm, like, warm. Why am I so warm? Like, mm-hmm. this time last year, I'd have been freezing. And then, too, the other thing is, even that, that morning I did have the big jacket on, I really could still, like, yeah. draw and everything. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't like, okay, I'm maxed out, and I'm like... Ooh, this could be tough. If I, it if, was like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm all right. and if I was to go somewhere like you know, if if I was hunting in northern states, I'd be all excited about the sanctuary kit. Yeah, um, yeah. So transitioning out of that, so we've been very happy Check. with with the first light clothing boots. We were trying some new boots this year. This has kind of been one thing where I found myself doing this more and more, and I could see myself looking in the future going. I'm not sure I'm going to wear rubber boots that much anymore. Yeah. Um, we were wearing the new pronghorn, the uh, Danner pronghorns. No mm-hmm. affiliation with Danner, but I've worn Danner for a, a long time. Uh, pronghorns been one of those kind of long-lasting lines of boots where they updated it this year, and we were trying it out. Yeah. I love the ankle support of the boots. I. But truthfully. The leather, uh, at some point during the fall, um, and I think I it was know. on our wilderness hunt, yeah, well, I ended up getting a big everywhere. scratch, and kind of a tear in the leather. Nothing too deep, nothing to, to hurt the, the um, waterproof feature of the boot, but I was a little bit kind of shocked at how, how that happened, mm-hmm. not knowing how that happened. Yeah. So that kind of was a little bit like, I love the the weight, the comfort. One of the most comfortable boots I've worn. And it's not going to, that scratch is not going to stop me from using it. But it was a little bit like, man, that kind of sucks. 
It was a, it was a, it was a little bit softer of a leather than what you would expect from a, a an upland durability uh, yeah, yeah. standpoint. Here, you wore uh, the same boots. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We look like uh, Twinkies when we go out because <laughs> yeah. we have the same gear. Um, it's like it's like looking in a stinking mirror. But you're yeah. out in the woods. Except um, one's prettier on the other side. <laughs> yeah, it's usually me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I we wear boots all the time. Like it, it, they're on our feet every single day, and and put a lot of miles on boots. I would be all shocked if there's anybody that wears boots. Yeah, that could be testing these hiking boots yeah. more than us because of the fact that we're consulting, we're doing real estate, and we're hunting. Yeah, I. From a support standpoint point and a sole standpoint, the sole on that boot was phenomenal. There was to for me anyhow, there was like no break in period. Yeah. Um I wore Put them, them on and they were comfortable. Yeah, and, and and it just felt you know I don't even know if this is the right word to describe it, but it was just like sturdy. Like yeah. I I'm I can I, I could know, walk because we're forever. not Western guys. You I know, wouldn't get tired. You go west, they talk about needing a very stiff boot. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if these are the boots for them because these are already like there's that break-in period that you need for Western boots right, on right, that right. real rugged terrain. For us, we put these on. We don't wear them any other time to, but hunting, and we put them on September 15th. I wore them a little bit to try and get them broke in, and it took me all of a couple hours ago. These are already broke in. I, I wore them. I'm scent proofing them, and I wore that's them this it. week when we were in Kansas in six inches of snow. Like, really? Oh, I, I took them up there because my other boots are a little bit. Uh, they're, they're like not quite four tall. inches or four and a half right. inches. And these were a good six inch height. These are eight inch. Eight inch. Okay. Pronghorns. Eight inch. And um, yeah, I took I took those, and um, I mean, I I didn't ever like never once was like my feet might be a little damp. It was yeah. never that at all. Very comfortable. Even we're wearing September the uninsulated 15th. ones too. Yeah. September fifteenth, all the way to well, December sixteenth or whatever, and, and snow in Kansas. So yeah. I'm like, man, this is a good boot. I like it. Yeah, it was I, just, I it think was, it was it was good. Everything's great on the boot, except for the durability. Makes me a little bit questioning. Uh, I don't know leather how. Yeah, standpoint. Yeah, but overall, I mean, I've I've wore Danner boots for a long, long time, and I will continue, even though. I was a little bit kind of shocked at how quickly I got that gash in in the leather. Don't so. Walk anyway. around tripping over yourself in yeah. the middle of the night. Avoid Hercules Glade wilderness <laughs> yeah. area. Um, so overall, I've been very happy. And, and mm-hmm. going back to the beginning of that, uh, I honestly kind of question, you know, when I wear leather boots and I go, okay, I'm comfortable. I didn't ever break a sweat on this hunt. Then I wear leather boots and I'm like, man, my feet feel clammy. That's what I hate about rubber boots. Feet feel clammy. Well, Even when it's cold, it's like the walk in, my feet feel clammy. Yes. And and that's where and I'm like, I'm not quick. sure I'm going to continue wearing rubber boots. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that I ask, you know, when, when people say, oh, if you're a bow hunter, you got to wear rubber boots. But why? My feet sweat more in rubber boots than they do in leather boots. So well, Number two, I don't want to be walking where the deer are going to be coming from. So from like the scent-free, like where I'm stepping standpoint, it's kind of like my access is... My, Good, so my really access and understanding the wind, I shouldn't yeah. have a problem. It, uh, that that plays more of a role of whether I wore rubber boots or hiking boots. Here's a question I can for wear you. tennis shoes on a lot of the sets because the scenario is perfect. Here's a question. This is not even on the notes forever, but 
I can't remember because we we do try stuff. But like, yeah. did you ever treat your clothes with ozone? Like after at, at any point in the season? No, no, mm-hmm. I didn't either. No, Mm-mm. not not one time. I washed this year. them twice. I washed them more than that, but because there was a couple times where um, I washed them after the because the Chad hunts killed. Were up. I killed does. the doe. I washed them. Yep. And then on another warm. hunt, I washed because I washed them the week before gun season because okay. it was like, okay, we're getting into the prep time. I haven't washed them in a little while. The merino, when you understand the merino, um, it's kind of it has anti-bike, or yeah, natural yeah, antibacterial, antibacterial properties, uh, properties that really <laughs> like <laughs> I smell the clothes. Um, <laughs> <Stephen Cotton. laughs> Dang you, cotton! Yeah, um, come on, real. cotton. Um, anyway. Uh, you know, I just, there's so many fads and things that you know in the 90s and 2000s that you were told you had to do to be successful and you sit back and now I'm like, but why? Why are we doing that again? Why do I cloak yeah. my clothes in, in a moisture that anybody knows that when you spray moisture on, on uh, any kind of soft material, it's going to have more scent? How, why is that? So, how many times did you spray down this year before you went out hunting? <laughs> Zero. I already know it. Yeah. And I'm the same way. How many I times did you uh, time. treat your clothes at ozone? I mean, I like the I, ozone I system, but uh, at the same time, I, I, think, I, felt, I think there's some merit in it. Yeah, I, I do. Um, but not enough that I was like, I'm going to go out of my way to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know that sounds bad, um, but I, I just didn't ever do it. Yeah. Um, put it in a tub. I put them on. We didn't ever hunt any of those hot days because, you know, with our limited days, it's like, what's the point in going when it's 95? No, I just There's no never, point. Even, I was never just, tried it. As we went when the conditions were right, and therefore we didn't sweat when we well, were hunting that much. That, and then, two, it was, there were a lot of times... That it was, man, temperatures are right. We've got a decent wind. Um, but the wind, and this is just a topography standpoint, the wind would swirl. So we opted to hunt an area where it wasn't any question as to where the wind was blowing in the direction. And so, yeah. therefore, it was, I'm good here. I'm safe here. I could smell like a hot dog right now. It doesn't matter because the deer aren't coming from here. Yeah. I, I, I'm good. Yeah, so, I could smell like bow. Yeah, B.O. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there were some bows smelling in pretty bad school. back here. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Gosh, I, I. So here's a question for you: Would you rather? Let's let's play yeah. a little game. Would you rather wear rubber boots or leather boots for the rest of for the rest of your hunting career? If you could only wear one, mm. I would probably, I probably would go for deer leather. hunting. You know, I'd probably go leather and then and then do um, a boot blanket. Yeah, but I don't, I don't mind late season wearing a larger sized rubber boot and and doing a thicker like neoprene insula- not insulation, yeah. but a thicker neoprene. I don't mind yeah. that for. I don't mind season. that either. But I think Cause usually if, I'm not walking that far. Only give me season. one boot. I would right. take leather. Yeah, yeah, more versatile and more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. So let's move on to the next thing. We really tested this this year. This first thing, saddle hunting, uh, first season of that. Oh my gosh, I can I can assure you for the, from now till the second coming of Jesus Christ, if I'm still here, I will be having a saddle in my arsenal. Um, 
My gosh, that really changed the game. I found myself many, many sets trying to think of a place to go that would require the saddle and being upset when it was like, oh, man, we got to go hunt that stand because I know that's our best chance. But that stand sucks. I hate that stand. There's no cushion or the cushion sucks. It's a small platform. Not to say any of the brands, but here's our tip for you on tree stand selection. If you have the choice between a stand that has, so you're picturing the platform and you're picturing the seat, and there's the vertical bar that runs parallel with the trunk of the tree. If there's two bars or one bar on the two stands or stands you're selecting, go with the one with the one vertical bar. If it has two... I would avoid it like the plague when it comes it, to hanging the stand. Yeah. Oh, my well, gosh. If the Basically, let's just say, just make it super simple. If the tree has any bit of lean crookedness, um, awkward you know, pitches in that tree uh, within where you're trying to put the stand at. Not slims. Not oh, it sucks. It's, it's terrible. So, and we have... Man, I don't want to give too much away here. But when we had a... Uh, in in our past, and we ended up acquiring a number of stands that had two vertical bars. <laughs> I can't hardly say it. Two vertical bars. We went from having one vertical bars to two vertical bars. It took us all of one hanging or two hanging to realize these two vertical bar stands are atrocious, and and they are not fun to hang. And I don't ever want to see them again. But by golly, I got I got well, a dozen of them or whatever we got. I don't even know how many of them we have. But I'll never buy another one that has two vertical bars. Buy the single vertical bar on your tree stands. And that isn't a daggum steal either. <laughs> my word. That's my best advice. Like, I don't care what brand. But a couple of the things I look for in tree stands, because I've hung. I, I don't know. I would have to say that there's when it comes to hanging stands, I've hung my fair share more than more than the common man probably has due to my past work experience. But vertic- one vertical bar between the seat and the platform, and I would love it to have a footrest. And that's not just because I'm a uh, fancy man that that needs my footrest, but for back support, that definitely helps. It's and nice. then the other nice thing feature. is a... Um, I don't care about weight too much as long as it's not 40 pounds. Um, but the other thing is a an adjustment to where you can adjust the leveling of the platform mm-hmm. uh, is being a That's huge essential. thing. And essential. those three things, outside of that, I really don't care what brand it is um, as long as it's – I've always been a quantity over quality guy because I just want to have a whole bunch of stands hung in the spring or summer and not have to touch them again. That is where – now I have a different perspective on it because of the tree saddle. Yeah. I would rather say I would I would want quality tree stands, let's say a handful of those sets. In the perfect in the in, spots in, in you're this, gonna kill your boomers. You're just you're you know you're gonna hunt them. It's easy. Because sometimes, you know, time wise climbing, getting up, whatever, it takes a little extra time. Have some permanent sets with comfortable stands. But then, honestly, I'm going hanging in a saddle. So if I that said, would you rather... Saddle. 
Yeah. Would you rather tree stand or saddle? You'd rather have just one saddle bouncing around. Oh, everywhere. Yeah. So if you tell were me, to buy, tell me where to go, and I'll go. Yeah. Because well, we hung in some trees this year. That there's no way you could ever got a tree stand in them. Well, e- even even just from a, it looks like if you've never done it before, it just looks like you have. You'd have so many questions, and you'd be like, "Well, what happens in this scenario?" It well, looks what like happens the biggest stupid fad ever. Like when I first saw saddle hunting, it was like, "Oh gosh, this is it, this is stupid." I just I look at it. I'm like, "Or, or excuse me, I, I've been in it now and hunted a, a full season or almost a full season," and um, I'm like, it "Just in, in in any situation, as long as you, let's say, within that tree." You put yourself in the right position. You figure it out super quickly where you need to be. You're golden. I think – so people – I think the question would be, okay, you know, what? what's the situation? Like, are you completely saddle or tree stand? And I would say the perfect situation for me because you can't beat quietness of going in – and everything's in place, and all you have to do is sit down in your tree stand. Like that, yeah, that's, that's just I would, convenient. The perfect scenario for me is hanging the stand in January through March, and I don't see it again until season starts up. I would rather have that. I would rather have all my stands in place, but I, can, I don't have the finances to go buy 40 stands and have them every, every spot I'm ever going to hunt in the next season have a stand in place. I would rather have, you know, 20 whatever if you only need 10 stands or 5 stands or 3 stands and then have the saddle to bounce around in case I'm not I, mean, I, I need to go to an area that I that I don't have a stand in. We talked about it is if even if you like like let's say the convenient factor of just going and knowing everything's pretty much set up, go buy ladders and just put them in the right spot. Yeah. And then all you have to do is put your platform on and get in your saddle and hunt out of that. But, like, yeah. you know you don't have to put up sticks and worry about doing that or carry sticks in. Literally, the platform weighs nothing. Yeah. I, I walk, I wear my saddle in, and I get in there, clip in, and I'm good to go. The thing, the, the if, if I had a con to it, it would be that every tree that I go to, I have to go and put up sticks and climb. That's and my take, least favorite part. Or trim out some, some limbs. But... I, I still like the being in a saddle and hunting out of it. Then I, I love the freedom of it. Let's say, yeah, um, I love that the part way. Is awesome. I love really the way. Awesome. <laughs> I love the way a saddle feels on my body versus <laughs> a tree harness. And for any guy, hint, hint, wink, wink, you know the struggle with tree harnesses that have leg straps, and you don't have that problem with a harness without. Saying too many crude things. I love the way I feel in a saddle. That was kind of high pitched there. <laughs> the way I feel yeah. in a tree saddle. <laughs> and so we used the tethered saddles this year. Very happy with them. Um, Man, that, that was a lot of fun. I, I'll, I will, I'll have a pack with me. If I ever go anywhere on a deer hunting trip, Yeah, sticks and a saddle is going with me. Speaking of packs, I, it's not on our list, but we've been using oh, yeah. the Alps packs. Um, this fall, the little bear has been a big one for us, mm-hmm. um, that we really, really like very small. When you go with, we've really tried to prioritize our gear to where we don't carry a big heavy pack and the little bear shoot. It's a very, 
it's like 50 bucks on Amazon for that pack. And it, it carries all the gear, a, essential the gear. It's pack with that, you know, that sits on basically like above your fanny above pack your backwards with shoulder straps. And so we really like that. So, um, and, and if you're a guy who prioritizes and, and is a minimalist, that is a perfect size pack, super lightweight, goes in. Um, and the, the thing I like about that style of a pack is that, especially early season, you don't have a pack laying against your back. Like, yeah. I don't even care if you have one that says, oh, it's supposed to be a lot of room it's between. Breathable. You, yeah. Yeah. It's a stinking vented, pack. Vented uh, I call mesh I call, back. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not it's, still, it's still. The only way to not sweat is not have something leaning against your back. And yeah. that's what this pretty much is. So, it's yeah. it, that from that aspect, it's super nice. The only, the only limiting factor I think I found on that option is the storage space is a is a yeah it's 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 kind of small you just got to know what you need what you don't need but then once you transition into middle of the season um and you're trying to like let's say strap on a bib your bibs and your jacket onto it cuz you don't walk in all yeah. the way geared up the straps are a little small on it yeah to strap stretch around and snap in mm-hmm. to make sure it doesn't go anywhere yeah beyond that love it yeah um, and I think before we go into some of these others, I'll say, cause that's kind of our gear. This was the first fall for me in a very long time that my clothing, my boots, my gear and organization, I finally felt that I was back to, man, I'm finally wearing what I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, our past, like we've worked for different, with different sponsors and things like that. And uh, different shows and different things. And, and for this, you know, it's been a very long time that I've been like happy with every single thing I'm wearing. And this fall was like, gosh, this is comfortable. Mm-hmm. I finally am wearing, I don't feel like I need to go search for something better because right now I'm totally happy with what I have on. And let's by golly, say, let's, let's go this. kill some stuff. This was the, this was the Christmas where I was like, I literally have zero idea <laughs> what of what I for. want because yeah. I don't need anything else. Yeah. Like I just, I'm super comfortable with every. Obviously, I mean, hunting is one of our hobbies, so like, I, I want to find something that I could use for my hobby. What is that? What does that just mean I never, that I saw going around? Is like, honey, what size uh, boot do you wear? I wear a size 250 acre yeah. farm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's kind of what my wish list has been. My wife so. will get that uh, podcast to let's do. Yeah. So another thing we tested this fall, specifically you, mm-hmm. um, the Winchester 350 Legend. Yeah. And the Winchester XPR rifle. So the XPR is a very affordable rifle. Yeah. Um, very like nothing super fancy, synthetic stock, um, good action. What I found on on this rifle um, before getting into like say the caliber, but honestly, from a trigger standpoint, this Joker was sweet. Like I mean, it was a f- very smooth. Um, I don't know what the pound, you know, pressure was pounds the pull anyhow but it just felt good Great clean rifle. break loved it talk a little bit about the cartridge cartridge it's a straight wall cartridge so uh, it's, a, most it's legal in a lot Iowa, of states ohio 
most of those states they have a limitation it's got to be a 357 caliber or tolerance and the the caliber bullet or higher for so a straight wall cartridge. The bullet of the 350 Legend is a 357 cartridge with a well, 357 bullet, but it sits in a neck down 22. They they took like the necked off portion of the 223 caliber, okay, or 223 bullet, yeah, caliber, yeah, and set it right in there. Gotcha. And so it's a larger diameter bullet set in a straight wall, basically 223 casing platform it's got more knockdown power than a 30 30 30 30 but more less recoil than like a 223 243 is i believe what they say like where you when you look the way it was described to us i don't know i haven't shot mine yet because i ordered a little bit different rifle than you and mine mine finally came in but i didn't get to use it during rifle season but where you could pull the trigger and and basically watch the impact through your scope there's that little recoil so it's like a perfect caliber for well for anybody really but it's great for kids and women and uh guys like matt that's right and (laughs) and obviously you (laughs) um no it it, from a from a gosh i got energy standpoint down range it's got a lot of knockdown power um because you're you're throwing Pretty decent chunk size of lead um, had a white tail, so it's extremely <laughs> efficient from that standpoint. What is this? I'm showing Matt a uh, meme right now that says shoot uh, a six five Creedmoor and she shoots a three hundred wind back. <laughs> and there's the woman standing holding up the the, the guy the in guy. like the the, the Tiny ice skating and, yeah. <laughs> ice skating pose over. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I mean I, I just sighting in um, and shooting that rifle, I felt very confident. Um, felt like it was going to be a great deer hunting rifle that I could say, hey, Emily, my wife, shoot this. You're totally fine. Here, kid that I want to introduce to hunting, shoot this. You're totally fine. Like anybody could pick that rifle up and be super proficient, 250 yards and in is like just done deal kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and and price range for the for the bullets themselves, is, it's super super cheap. I yeah, mean, it's the deer crazy. season XP and the yeah. three fifty. Yeah, it's unreal. It's like twelve and bucks. Th- I think that's the thing with with what we use in hunting is very much affordable ammo, affordable guns. Where it's like, you know, it's just entry level stuff or mid range stuff that's phenomenal and and and. I mean, we've shot Winchester long beards and during turkey season for, well, when they first Years. came out with oh, it. Oh man, yeah. And I by the golly, first, first round I shot through there, I was like, "Yup." It's going to take <laughs> a very big. Uh, it would it would have to be something very special to get me to not shoot Winchester long beards during turkey season. And here's the thing: I know so I know someone's going to say, "You guys need to shoot TSS." I want that bird at thirty yards. Yeah. Like I, I want if a really I'm, solid. Why would pattern I want to shoot him at eighty yards? I, don't want, I do not want to shoot. That's not calling turkey. You've missed the experience. <laughs> if you're shooting him at eighty, 80 Wait, yards. How far was that turkey I shot last Easter? Fifteen yards, maybe. Yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> Almost too close. Too, too close. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another thing we tried this year. Not a brand associated with this, but I tried. By golly, it was like you know what? As much as I love this stuff and talk about it on the podcast, I might as well incorporate it into hunting. So milkweed wind indicators. We've used the little puffy bottles forever. 
but I use the milkweed indicator to where I can actually watch it go out for a long, long ways, pull up binoculars and continue to watch it and see how the wind's moving through the hills. I'll never use a puff bottle indicator again unless I can't find my milkweed. So if you're in an area uh, that you can access and get some milkweed seed, do it and you use it. better be managing and getting some yeah. milkweed after listening to the podcast. <laughs> That's right. So do it. Next thing, uh, another year using the Cuddy Back Cuddy Link system. I cannot tell you. I mean, we're getting emails every single day. Every six hours we get emails. And I it's paid for itself three times in saving in gas. gas and time of going probably even sure. more than that. I mean, time the time thing is just, I mean, it's just silly. I mean, it, I guess any cell camera, you know, would save you time. But this system, being able to link it up and then have one plan, I mean, come on. Yeah, for sure. They're so all if you're looking for great Christmas ideas, even though we'll yeah. get to you by now because this is going to air on Christmas Eve. Check them out. We've got them Shop online. Yeah. com. That's how much, I mean, no money exchange, but that's how much we like them, and that's how you can support us as we continue to add stuff to our store, buy from our store, um, because we're when we find something we really like, we usually become dealers for them. Um, Absolutely. Another thing we tried again this year, um, <laughs> three years old now, by golly, because there's, there's two other brands, but the Matthews Triax. We shot oh, those yeah. little short 28 and a half inch Ooh. axle to axle. I know that VXR is in a 28 or 28 and a half, so I'd be curious on that one, but by golly, I still love that bow. Honestly, you'd, have, Point you'd probably shoot. have to pry that joker out of my hands. Pry I, I it just, out of my cold, dead hands. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I don't I don't know what it is about it, but um, there there is something to say about getting a bow. And one, I think it, I, I'm not a bow guru at all, but like, I, and I would I say that's I set why we like up. this bow so yeah, much. I, I, I would say I, I assembled things and got into shooting it like very, very confidently, very, very quickly. Like yeah. it was 20 arrows down range and it was where the pin is. That's where that arrow is getting sent and it's hitting its mark. You mean you didn't spend months and months before season trying to make it the quietest bow possible and that I way never you did. didn't have to experience deer ducking? I never did. <laughs> Yeah, me either. It's kind of a, a shot it during the summer just to get ready. Uh, we're not gearheads when it comes to bows. We're habitat gurus. But by golly, I think we do pretty good for being habitat nerds to kill some good deer. Um, this year, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of older age class bucks. And, you know, we'll talk about this later in the podcast of your encounter with a mm-hmm. heck of a deer. Yep. But, you know, our goal is to prove that you can grow big deer anywhere in the country and uh, we're growing big deer in the Ozarks, and it requires some self-discipline. And this fall has been self-discipline, and and so uh, we don't we don't get all geeky on on shooting accessories. Um, but what we carry, we know is going to kill. And uh, the Matthews Triax, man, I just love that bow. Vortex Optics. I'm going to share one story that's a little bit of a boy. I'm an idiot kind of story, but um, this is why we like the Vortex Optics. Guys, great price points, all, all kinds of different price points because they have different levels of optics. But last turkey season, you found a set of binoculars. <laughs> oddly oddly enough, that was my set of binoculars that were set down by Where that tree. Where did I set them? Uh, they were on Seth Harper's no, farm. No, wasn't that the bino? No, that was the whole package. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's the whole right. harness. So when yeah. I sat down with Keith Hammer from Stratton Seed Company two springs right. ago, 
he killed his first turkey, and in yeah. the process of celebration and everything, I left him there, forgot him. Yeah. Couldn't remember where I left him because it was weeks later before I realized I didn't have him. Didn't remember where they were. I thought they fell on off the back of a truck or somewhere stolen. Um, and anyway, ended up um, finding them. You found them the next year. Of course, the moisture, the next youth season. The uh, they've been out the there. Sun. So the VIP warranty, I tested them out, sent them back. They sent me a brand new pair. I, it was my own stupid fault, but because of their VIP warranty, they sent me a brand new pair. So well, I got to give them props for that. That's pretty stinking awesome. My brother had a pair this year. Um, sent it to him during, uh, during gun season here, or deer season, I guess. Everything's gun season in Virginia, right? Um, but he had like the, some, something happened with them. Um, and one, one side wasn't focusing just quite right. Sent it back, boom, out the door, sent, sent him a new pair. Awesome. It wasn't like refurbish it. It was sent him a new pair right, right. away. Got yeah. him back quick. So you can't beat that. Yeah, no, no. The price point and, and that VIP warranty, it's awesome. All right. Let's talk about your hunt. Cause we're running out of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was uh, that was yesterday, December twenty. All right, hold on, time out before I, before you start this story. Pretend yeah. you're telling you're you're me telling the story. What? So so picture your big long story. Now cut it in half. Now <laughs> tell it to me. Again. Yeah. <laughs> so I sat in the stand and the and the you saw a good buck. Yeah, great, <laughs> cool, done. No, Go to that, YouTube and check it out. <laughs> actually, that I I did I I threw a reminder if you guys want to see the actual footage. Um, Definitely go to YouTube because we'll have it out in a little bit. But had a fantastic hunt. Honestly, was just going out to kind of get some mind clearing time and enjoy an afternoon evening in the tree. And um, sure enough, not long before uh, dusk settled in, here comes a beautiful, beautiful three and a half year old. We ha- knew was on the farm. There was a you know a pretty good chance that um, this is a food plot. He's certainly going to frequent. Um, but we said. If that deer makes it through gun season, he's getting an automatic pass. He comes out with several other bucks feeding in the food plot. How many other bucks? Three. So it's a a food plot we call Fiasco. Yeah. Um, And it's actually, if you go to the YouTube page, you'll see my brother and I have a nice encounter with a really nice young nine-pointer earlier in the season. Same stand, Same stand. same big eastern red cedar tree overlooking this. Half acre to three quarter acre. Food the block. reason I went there is because I was self filming and it was a cedar. And I was like, okay, great cover. I can get in there. It's a perfect win for it. I can get in there and not be silhouetted this late in the season. Yeah. And sure enough, boom, comes out. I'm like, holy cow, that's awesome. Fantastic. Of course, he looks he looks great. Just trying to capture as much you footage. Said two other bucks, right? Three. Three. So four bucks. Four bucks total. And you saw a really nice six pointer that my dad and I saw That's right. uh, during yeah. gun season. Yep. Um part of that part of that same group all came out at the same time. And um sure enough, they're out there feeding, sixty yards start to close, get to about thirty five, and just sitting there filming, like, wow, this is a beautiful sunset. What a cool, what a cool evening. And I look off to my left, the southeast, um, and here's another buck just come, comes out of the timber and works its way up towards the food plot. Um, my first impression was, wow, that deer is very thin-necked, thin body as it's making its way like directly towards me. So I'm not seeing any broadside, anything like that. Um, move the camera over there. There it is, starting to come into range. And I'm like, okay, that's a deer that 
we had in that, that same buck that Chad passed. That was my yeah. initial thought because I'm looking back in the food plot, making sure I'm not getting spotted as I'm moving and filming. Um, so I don't really pay much attention to it and like really study the actual animal. Comes in, by the way, edge feathering is a real stinking thing. As you're watching this footage, you can totally see how this deer walks in down a road TSI to um, the left pretty aggressive TSI and filters in perfectly to the food plot 20 yards right around the edge um, where a lot of trees were, were cut and laid parallel with the food plot. So one that worked out to a T just further proof that it it's a real thing, you know, super important. The more we go into this, the more I feel like it's our role to share advice on edge feathering, bedding thickets, clear cuts, timber management, the stuff that you don't get sponsorship dollars to promote. Um, <laughs> because the more we share it, the more I realize that information is not out there a lot. No, it's not. And edge feathering specifically. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those programs like NRCS that like people are like edge, fe- edge feather. No that, one, no one has talked really about that that much. Yeah. And I, I'm sure there's, there's, there's state biologists and NRCS biologists across the country that are listening to this podcast or that see our social media posts and goes, we've been saying it's yeah. feathering for years, but it's not a very popular. It's not a. It's not something. I wish. I wish it would take off like hinge cutting. Oh yeah, because it is such an amazing tool. Well, watch the video and watch where every single deer came into the food plot and yeah. tell me that it doesn't have um, an important factor of, of predicting deer travel patterns in and out of food plots. The yeah. stand, as you can see, every everything that's important in this hunt happens at 20 yards for yeah. a very specific reason. Yeah. It's like, come on, you can't yeah. tell me that's not important. Yeah. And and these bucks come out on the other end of the food plot, and you may think, well, if it's so great, why'd they come out? Because well, there's a bedding area in the timber. There's a bedding area over from? there to where long-term plan is to have a blind on that end of the food plot yep. to hunt it on a different wind. Yeah. So we hunt this stand on a southeast wind, but you can hunt the other one on a south or a southwest wind. So it's regardless, be this awesome. is edge feathering one. The ha- the habitat role and important factors that it, that it plays. Um, it, it we could go into that. But o- oddly w- enough, it's not odd. It's very it's very much expected. Like, well, duh. But this is where my dad saw a covey of quail during gun season, right on the yeah. edge of this food plot. Yeah. And so, um, it's real. It's a real thing. You'll see as, as you hopefully go and watch the video. Um, but, boom, right here in front. And it was one of those things. It's December 20th. Yet there, as this as this deer um, comes in, it's like, oh, actually, that's a bigger deer than what I thought. I think that deer's probably three and a half. Um, comes into the food plot and immediately... Um, the deer that were already there, the big wide 10 pointer with kickers, um, and the deer he was running with come in almost like this weird interaction of, I've never seen you here before. Who are you? Um, yeah. and, and there's this, this complete display of dominance. Every buck in the food pot bristles up, ears laid back. They're trying to figure out the whole pecking order at 20 yards, yeah. grunting, snort wheezing, um, pushing each other around which was really cool to see. But the whole at time... 20 yards. At, at 20 yards, yeah, right there in front of the, of the stand. The whole time I'm like, number one, who who is this deer? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. We still don't know as we went back no. and looked at footage. 
um, don't have a picture of him to our knowledge. And so I'm sitting there like, I, I don't I don't think he's a shooter, but maybe he could be. Well, he's a bonus buck, and he's three and a half. Many, many <laughs> bonus bucks have died at three and a half. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but I'm sitting there like, I don't, I just, I don't know. But I'm sitting here filming because, like, this is too good not to capture. And um, then all of a sudden, it's kind of a, a light, a light switched. And it was, this deer's coming and makes a beeline for, like, right at the stand where, the deer that Chad had walk underneath him, this deer comes right to him. It's like, I don't know, again, still, as this deer is two yards now in front of me, is he a shooter, is he not? Um, but all in all, I, I I still, until I had to go back and look at footage and really dissect everything, because I got to give it to the people who do self-film, that's a chore. Oh, like, and, and you're capturing it all on it. film. Um, yeah. Congratulations! But if there's a if if there's a new deer that pops up and you're trying to like really make a good quality judgment of public this late, land, it's different. This the late pu- in the season, yeah, it's like I really I don't I don't I look yeah. at deer pictures all the time and I can't determine honestly what you are. You're obviously very thin. That was my first impression. But then when you get side by side with another deer, it's like I don't know. It's also December twentieth. All yeah. deer are thin. He's worn down probably. Um, uh, never seen you before, but regardless, um, I, 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 when he was closing, I was like, I'm going to get to full draw, but then I'm not, I'm not going to shoot though. But like, he's three and a half. I'm going to pass that three and a half. Why shoot this one? It was a fantastic hunt. I, yeah. It's all I got to say. And it, and it was further proof of edge feathering. It was further proof of why not hunt in December? Everyone forgets about december seth harker praises it you guys have heard that in the past um but if you're getting on a food source where you know deer are coming to you can have those hunts um no it didn't result in a shot up op- i mean i had plenty of shot opportunities let's say it was just an elected to to not shoot but yeah. two fantastic deer awesome fun hunt i got down I was like boy that was the best hunt of the year Remember, i had ever had and and the Ozarks, specifically yeah. the family farm post-gun season, has always been turned dead. into a, a <laughs> desert. <laughs> I mean, a desert. Just dead. Like, where you're like, I think they migrated out of here. But that was we're starting to see way better hunting later in the season for us because of the way we hunt and set up our properties. Well, because of the resources that are there. Yeah. Woody browse, food plots. And that late season forage, and just the lack of pressure. South facing slope bedding the, area the close cover by. Cover that is present on the place. It's all by automatically you're going to have great opportunities from the beginning of season all the way to the end. And this was a perfect example of that. Yep. So go check out check YouTube. It. Yeah. Subscribe, please. Please, we're begging you. And let us know what you would have done in that situation yeah. as well. And if well. you said shoot, don't worry about it. That's no yeah. problem. I mean, that's fine. We would have probably shot this deer last year or even before gun season. Um, but, you know, with things as we continue to grow and, and continue to reach and help landowners, one of the big things for us, we hear this comment a lot is you can't grow big deer in certain parts of the country. And we're here to try to tell you well, if you can grow big deer in the Ozarks, consistently big deer i feel pretty confident you can grow big deer in a lot of places in the world like jason brosden michigan shoots 157 this year 157 four and a half year old and i I don't care um one thing i've debated and heard all my 
adult life is that four and a half, you know who they're going to be. But I'm really starting to believe five and a half is the number. If you're like, I got to know who he is, get him to five and a half, and you'll have a pretty good idea. Well, Donuts is a great case for us, just one deer, but still a great case. He's a decent three and a half year old. He's a great four and a half year old. Oh my gosh, he's a giant five and a half year old. And I'll say this. This 10-pointer with the kickers that came out first in the food plot in this video, um, you will find out very, very quickly that you look at the deer, take one second, you're like, that deer's got potential. Oh, my god! The frame on this great deer. great two-and-a-half-year-old last year when I passed. The frame is incredible. Yeah. And it's like, woo. Yeah. What's that deer going to look like next year? Yeah. Goodness sakes. So, all right, guys. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas once again. Absolutely. Enjoy your time. With, with the family. family, remember the reason for the season. See you next week. Yep.